Hey, everybody. Welcome to our big weekly blend, big blend radio podcast, right? So this is our new weekly blend podcast is uh, a it's a it's a merging of magazine and radio shows. Uh, we had our big daily blend podcast. This is our second big weekly blend podcast. And if you go to blendradioandtv.com, you can sign up to get our weekly blend magazine that tells you what you missed the last week. And this podcast keeps you up to date with what's happening now and coming up. And um, this show is all about this week's holidays, observances, historic and pop culture happenings. And we've got a lot of music happening. And we're also really focused on the fact that it is Memorial Day weekend. It is also Military Appreciation Month. But our dates really go from May 28th through June 3rd. We're going to put music playlist links in our show notes, articles that uh, we reference during the conversation and links also to recipes because Burger Day is coming up. I'm just saying, you know, we have recipes for that. But most importantly, Nancy, are you ready? We got three good guests, really good guests, yeah, right? It's going to be I, fun. We've even met one in person, like finally. Um, two of them, all three of them have been on our shows for quite a few years. But um, eventually this year, this is our goal. We're going to meet them all. But we're going to start off with Joey Stuckey. Joey is here every fourth Sunday with us on our weekly blend podcast. He is the official music ambassador for Macon, Georgia, which is the southern rock capital of the world. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. He's an award-winning blind guitarist, a songwriter, a singer, composer, producer, radio and TV personality, as you'll hear. And you've heard him on the show. I know you have. He's a music columnist and educator and sound engineer and runs and owns Shadow Sound Studio. His main website is joeystuckey.com. And yes, if you go through the South, you will see Stuckey's candy and you must have it. And it they are related because Joey is really sweet. So welcome back, Joey. Sweet Joey. <laughs> I love it. That's that's good. That's clever wordplay. Always, always exciting. It's always hey, good it, to be in your company, as you know. So that's, I'm oh, so glad to be here. We love having you on the show. It's so funny because Nancy and I were in, um, Lort- we're recording this from Lorton, Lont- oh, oh, I don't know where we are. We're in Virginia. Lorton? Somewhere. Um, Lorton, I know someone will help us here in a second. Um but um, we are outside D.C. and you were just in D.C. We were in Maryland going, Joey is leaving because we got there. What happened? Yeah, I, I le- yeah, I left Maryland like, I think, what, two days before you got there, something like that. You something. knew. Oh, oh did he stink? <laughs> like, I they're had, coming. Get out. Well, you know, you, you know I, I can't <laughs> see or smell. So as far as I know, you look and smell perfect at all times. Oh, well, thank, thank you. I like that. We'll yeah, wait till absolutely. after we have a hamburger. Well, that's how I tricked my wife into marriage. Is I, tra- I told her she'd always look and smell perfect. It worked. It's worked out. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> funny. That is funny. That is funny. And we'll have been married twenty years this this June. Wow! Oh, wow! So hey, hey! So that's a first Congrats. celebration right there. Congratulations! Abs- thank you very much. I love Best that. Best thing ever happened oh. to me. Wow! So one one um, tip for anybody in a relationship of how to do it. Oh boy. How to do it. I mean, not how to do it. I meant like, you know, to, to have that longevity in a relationship. Let me clarify myself. Please do. Uh, well, you know, you know, the, the, the truth of it is actually to be serious for a moment is to have good communication. And uh, we, mm. we very much um, before we got married, uh, sat down and had a conversation about what we thought marriage was and what we thought it meant and what kind of expectation there would be 
Mm. Yeah, and it's not it's not a question of right or wrong. It's not like, okay, here's what I want and I'm right and here's what you want and that's stupid. I mean, it's, it's just a question of, you know, do we have the same value system? You know, are we are we mm. putting the same are we putting the same emphasis on the same things? I mean, if, if Jennifer likes to watch ER and I like to watch, you know, Doctor Who, that's not a problem. We can get over that. Uh, if if you know if uh, if she it comes home drunk every night and I don't, that's that may be a problem. So you have to you know so you just have to figure out like what what you think marriage means and make sure that both people really have a similar doesn't have to be perfectly the same, but a similar idea of what that means and and uh, what kind of responsibility you have to your partner. Mm-hmm. And so we had that very detailed conversation and, and it wasn't an awkward conversation, but it was a serious conversation. And you know a lot of people are not comfortable. Um, with those kind of conversations, but I think they're integral to good relationships. Yeah, and, and that's not just um, mm. in, you know, totally. romantically, right? Or family. Right. Family. Well, I mean, we got to think about mm. that when we're talking about military history, too. I think um, we're going to have Mike Guardia come on next in. He he served uh, in the yeah. army, and I think communication is part of it. And in music, that's a thing. And I actually, that's really interesting with you, Joey, being blind because, you know, when Nancy and I were in the band and, and doing music, like to me, you would look over and, and that one look would tell the mu- the other musician like, oh, yeah, that's your lead or right, like right. stop, stop playing guitar for so darn. You know how you lead guitarists are, right? <laughs> Put it away Lisa. Yeah, at a certain yeah. time. You know yeah. what I mean. Uh, right? I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> I would like I would like to, but I can't. So you have to create a different communication system with your band, and you're you've been playing with your band for a while, though. Um, yeah. So, so well, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, basically, what I do um, is uh, I I well, I have been in several other people's bands. Uh, I have been in orchestras. I have been in ensembles. I've, you know, I've done all that, and and I can do that. It, it's more complicated. But it is it is not beyond my ability. However, it's a pretty poor use of my time to jump through the hoops I have to jump through to make that communication possible and to negate the disadvantage of not being able to read sheet music. So uh, I found I usually I tend to play to my strengths, which I think is a good idea uh, mm-hmm. for pretty much any, any situation. So what that means is that I tend to be the leader rather than the follower. So if I'm leading, I don't have to follow anybody else. I'm the one telling everybody else where to go. Um, and so that, that helps out. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, like I that. exactly how it sounds. <laughs> I like that. I've got the giggles. I like, well, yeah, I mean, that and, that's because that, that's how you have your support network. I love that. And, but I, I wanna, also, I, I was just going to say, I, I want to let you know that I cheat and use visual signals to my band all the time, but I, I just can't see them back. <laughs> ah, and the, but you're on stage, so that's good. You're yeah, on stage, yeah, yeah. so that balances everything out. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to bring Mike Guardia. Uh, Mike, Mike is uh, he's on our show every. Yeah, the first Mike, right? We got two mm-hmm. mics. Mike Guardia, yeah. so Mike G. Yeah, he he is a mm-hmm. military Mike. We've been calling him that for years. A military mm-hmm. Mike is an award-winning military historian. He's an author. I think we're at twenty-five books that he's he's been talking about on shows. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five. Um, you might have seen him on the History Channel, wow. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his he's on every first Monday. The next Monday, June third. So see, this military theme is strong today. Um, he'll be talking about D Day, and um, he his. Latest books are Coyote Recon, The Forgotten Wars of Colonel J.D. Vanderpool, and uh, The Combat Diaries, True Stories from the Front Lines of World War II. Both are something when you think about uh, Military Appreciation Day. Mike really writes 
um, the human story <clears throat> behind those who are out there in the field and making things happen, leading, and some of them are a little rogue in a good way. Um, but I encourage you to go to his website, MikeGuardia.com, and he's also on Amazon. So welcome back, Mike. My, military Mike, to make sure I get the right one here. How are you? Hey, Lisa, I'm doing well. Always a pleasure to be on the good. show. Hey, it is good. I hear that it's warming up a little bit in Minneapolis. It in has, Minnesota. finally. Oh, I, oh, my God, we have just gotten through the winter that wouldn't die. And uh, mm. uh, this week, this week, it's been, it has been surprisingly warm. I think, uh, as a matter of fact, ambient temperature outside right now is a balmy 78, which is, uh, you know, great wow. considering like two weeks ago, we were just barely scraping by in like the mid 50s as our uh, as our weekly high. But yeah, uh, the weather is good, and you know it's it's uh, sunny outside, and uh, not too many uh, not too many showers predicted in in the near future. So so the ten day forecast is looking pretty good. Hey, I want to go back to where Joey was talking about communication being key in relationships. Is that the same kind of thing for in when you go into you know battle and out in the field mm-hmm. and just in regular communication? Some of what he was talking about does that. Um, is that part of it in regards to military service? Is that communication? Absolutely. Communication is so important. You know, we, mm. we, we, we have this little mantra in the army that says everything we do is based on our ability to shoot, move and communicate. And uh, you have to have all three. And of those three of that trifecta, Ooh. the most important one is communication because, you know, it's not just on the battlefield or off the battlefield, but all throughout the military uh, at, Every echelon, uh, you know, I've seen so many things go up in flames because of poor communication or somebody thought they understood something, but they really didn't. Or they thought they got a message across, but they really didn't. So, uh, you know, um, and really just trying to find a universal communication style that can get the message across as clearly as you can the first time around. That really is an art form in and of itself. And Mm, I think that's, that's a, I think that's a skill that you acquire over time. And, uh, you know, I found that the best leaders were the ones who could communicate simply and they could communicate effectively to where there was, you know, very little room for error in how somebody could misinterpret something. Mm, because, mm. Uh, you know, I found that uh, I found that 99% of the problems that I encountered in the military and even out of the military were just due to poor communication, people not really saying what they meant, people saying something, but meaning something else, or just somebody misinterpreting what uh, someone had said to them. So, yeah. you know, so uh, y- yes, that communication is key, um, you know, in and out of the military and especially in relationships, you know, you, you have to, uh, you have to be able to communicate clearly and, not rely on subtle hints, not rely on obvious hints, just, you know, open your mouth and say what's on your mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, funny. That's, that's, that gets in trouble for that all the time. Oh, I, I know. know. <laughs> I've read that online. Um, you, you know, the honest thing, it, t- it takes me back to my early legal training. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I've studied it relentlessly and I am a music business consultant. So we talk about the law a lot. And the, the, the mantra we have in music business is make the language unambiguous. So you want to make sure that it's almost impossible to misinterpret. And that's key when you're writing contracts and stuff like that, where you, you don't want to be able to go in court. So, well, Your Honor, I thought it meant this, and it was open to interpretation. You want clear, simple language. Uh, stay away from as many specialized jargon words as you can. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's another big part of it. It's just keep it so simple that it's impossible to misunderstand. 
Oh, and that comes in marketing and sales too. too. It does. Yeah. It's really because. Go ahead, Nancy. When you're talking to somebody and you get emotional or you um, use like your hands start moving because you're getting excited or whatever about what you're saying. See, Joey feels the vibrations when that happens. Yeah. So when, when, what your face and your hands and your body says is not always what your mouth is saying. If you know what I mean. Oh, well, listen, listen, Nancy, (laughs) Nancy's the the second driver in the car on the country. (laughs) That's one thing you never have to worry about with me. And I have to always tell Nancy to put her hand down and don't, (laughs) don't look too long at the other people, like watch it because she, she is the nosy neighbor. She is. She's curious. Well, no, she watches a people watcher. I can, I can tell when someone's going to catch you off on the freeway. I can totally tell. I know. And because then she wants to tell can... them, this is how I feel about you doing that. And I'm like, <laughs> you can't do that it's, anymore. It's a you know. substitute for when, for when we lived in the bush and it was all about studying the animals. Well, yeah. I'm studying people. Well, and then when, and drivers, when people are driving, that's the most animalistic. Hey, we did good out here through DC getting lost yesterday. We did good. We managed it. I was going to call, I was going to call our next guest, Mike Dunmire and say, Mike, we're lost. We're in the middle of DC. How the hell do you do this? Um, and, and, and and by the way, I did figure out we are in Lorton. And, and so I, I, that's where we are. We're by the U.S. Army Museum. Finish this. Sorry. I have noticed. No, because it's a good tip when you're driving. When a person kind of jiggles the steering wheel, left, right, left, right, left, right, three times, they're going to cut you off. I've seen it. I've watched it. It's like animal animal behavior at a waterhole. I've watched it. And so Lisa does the driving most of the time and pretty much all, all the time now. But I'm watching the traffic and I see when the person in the lane next mm-hmm. to you I can actually just feel it. We already can tell. It's yeah, defensive driving. It's going to cut you off. Yeah. And, and it, yeah, and it's interesting. They do three jiggles and like like in and out of their lane, in and out, in and out, in and out. And I'm like, oh, they're coming. Uh, you know, no, you can tell because that's that's hesitancy. Yeah. That is I like, know. I don't know, but I'm going to do it. And then it's like, oh, I'm doing it because now but, I feel like I'm that. And like, no, no, no I'm no. committed. See? No I like people, happens. you've got to know where you're, you're like, no, it, anyway, don't get me started. I want to bring Mike Dunmire on the show. Mike Sorry. has been on our show since the very beginning of Big Blend Radio over 15 years. We think it's 16. This year's 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been on the show with uh, being the executive director of Ocean Champions that really stood up for clean oceans um, for many years. He taught us a lot about politics and I really wish I listened more. But, <laughs> but, but no, no, no. Uh, Mike is amazing. And he's an entrepreneur as well. But uh, now he's in the world of uh, renewable energy, offshore wind here in uh, the eastern shore. That I'm learning that is a term for this region. And it's a beautiful area. Uh, he's the Delaware Development Manager of U.S. Wind. And I know what he does. Communication is definitely key because it ha- because people in anything political, which energy is, people will take what they think they know and run with it. And it's not always correct. 
So anyway, um, Mike is very right. clear about what, what is right and what is wrong. <laughs> and I encourage you to go to the website, US Wind, I-N-C, Inc., uswindinc.com. So welcome back, Mike. How are you? Yeah, just fabulous. It's so great to be on with you guys again. And uh, what a treat it was to finally meet after all these years. And, and you know, incredible that all of us were able to have uh, success and, and become prominent enough to begin these conversations 16 years ago when we were all in our teens. Um, <laughs> I'm still in my teens. I'm exactly. still in my teens. Exactly. I look like Staying right there. No, kidding. No, listen, listen, it was really cool. I mean, it was kind of, it's so cool to finally meet in person, but it's just, I, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's always funny. better to be in person, right? But it feels just mm. like, oh yeah, we've known you for so long. Let's just, you know, have our picnic and, you know, continue on the dialogue. Nothing really changes on that level. It's like, keep yeah, the dialogue was, going, you know? It was very That's comfortable. And actually, it, it, it could have been another show sitting there on that bench, looking over the, the pond mm-hmm. and seeing, oh uh, seeing that bald eagle fly overhead. It was, yeah. oh my gosh. Oh, was it? Um, wow. Oh, that was awesome. Tuck, Tuckahoe State Park in Maryland. Everyone Tuckahoe, is beautiful. Yeah. Tuckahoe um, is beautiful. And I found out there's another one up in New York too. So Tuckahoe mm-hmm. is kind of a thing out in this in this region. But my communication um, in regards to the environment, because this is something I know over the years you've been on our show. And, and, and sometimes you I mean, there's times where everybody gets all riled up and that doesn't move anything when you get you know, angry and yell at people or you must do this now, beat the pots and pans. Um, that's kind of out the window. But on the shows, you would come on and people would go, no, we got to clean the ocean, no more fishing, none of that. And you're going, hello, there's some balance. And I always thought that over the years, whether it was Ocean Champions and now with U.S. Wind, that you've had that, like, you've got to actually survey what's really happening before you go. You can't just be you know what I mean? It, the emotional, emotional. thing is going yeah. to what Nancy was talking about. You know, in, in the world I've been in, I, I do often walk into rooms where, you know, you've got at least 50% of the crowd is, is aligned against you. And uh, and quite often emotions are involved and people do get heated. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I do pride myself on is just always keeping my cool, being in the moment. And, you know, it really all comes down to uh, establishing clarity um, keeping things simple and just making sure that you are you are you are going where they are. So you're you're understanding their perspective and able to 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 come up with the information that that particular perspective needs to be able to to get a new understanding of things. Hmm. I like That's that. Good. that no. Because you have to listen to actually understand have that um, no, true dialogue. Listen? Yeah, no. and listen. I think that's what we're missing <laughs> these days in, in Wait, stuff. Sorry, what? But yeah, what? Huh? Um, I, I want to go, we're going to talk about Memorial Day weekend. This is airing on the Sunday, obviously the day before Memorial Day. Um, but I want to go to Mike Guardia before we get into that and um, just touch on what Memorial Day is. I know we did this with you last year, Mike, but I think we always need a reminder of how it came to be. I, you know, you can ask Mike Guardia anything. <laughs> I'm just going to say, <laughs> he can answer anything about military history. Don't you have a master's in teaching in in military, or is it is it teaching a master's yeah. in history? Yeah, yeah. Um, and if he wasn't yeah. around, I yeah. wouldn't. I he's taught uh, so much. Yeah, I mean, over the years, it's incredible. Um, you know, I can actually sit in a conversation for one minute longer and say, "I I know that Mike taught me that," 
And then I have, to, and after that, I can go, I know this part. And then I have to shut up and then do another interview with Mike and read another book of his, you know, so Mike, um, but yeah, Memorial Day, how did that start? Because it's different than Veterans Day and Remembrance Day in a way. England is Remembrance right. Day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So the whole driving force behind Memorial Day was that uh, we really wanted to have a special day that uh, was honoring specifically those who had fallen in battle and those who had made the ultimate sacrifice. You know, uh, up to up to that point, we had Armistice Day, you know, which, of course, today is Veterans Mm -hmm. Day, honoring all veterans um, past and present. But uh, to uh, have a special day that was dedicated to those who had made the ultimate sacrifice, we really felt that that was something that uh, needed to have its own special day of remembrance. And um, also as a uh, also as a time of solemn reflection for uh, what it actually meant to be an American. And, you know, in in a broader sense, I think it was a uh, stroke to uh, keep the strong ties of community as the nation grew and got bigger and bigger. Because, you know, up until uh, up until recently, the past 50 years, pretty much everyone had skin in the game. Uh, You know, even when we weren't at war, there was still a peacetime draft. And it was expected that at some point in every young man's life, he was going to have mm. to uh, put his dreams and ambitions on hold and serve a one or two year stint uh, in the armed forces. And that, you know, during his time in uniform, there was a very real possibility that he would be that he would be called upon to put himself in harm's way. And, yeah. uh, you know, that uh, that really just ties in together with the whole the whole broader theme of you know reinforcing what it means to be. Uh, an American, not just as an individual, but as part of the broader community and uh, what it means to take a uh, collective sense of identity when we're talking about our nation as a whole. Mm. Mm. And and when you think now, because it, they say like the World War, you, I mean, we've talked about that on the show with you. Um, I think Combat Diaries, your, your, one of your latest books really touches home on these stories of, you know, those who have served during World War II and we're, we're kind of losing that generation now. And um, I, I know we're going to do a cool music playlist um, on, on this, but um, I think, do you think Memorial Day right now it really means something? Because it's not just the day, it's Military Appreciation Month. We have programming all this weekend, everyone, um, lots of programming about military programs because we need more and more of them. Uh, to support our our men and women that come home and their spouses, it's another huge thing that often gets forgotten. Um, but you know, even having these parks that Nancy and I have gone through, we have got to make our memorial park map because I think oh, yeah, every town has one, Mike. And you start to realize, I mean, when we were in like Baltic, Connecticut, the tiny town, it's near Mystic, right? Mystic Pizza, the movie. Um, mm-hmm. come on, Mike, you know, the eighties movies. I know you do. Of course. <laughs> right? So we were in Baltic and they're one park and they have a river and it's beautiful out there, but here's their community park. Very small. There's, I mean, this is a tiny, I don't even know if we can say like, it, it's a township out in, in Connecticut, I think, or a borough. And, um, you know, the memorial I mean, when you see everyone's names and you're looking around going, these are like really historic families. The homes are historic. Um, These Mm -hmm. are families that have been there for so long. 
And it's usually Vietnam, maybe Korean, because you, we rarely hear Korean War, except for Mike is on our show. And then you, you see that in World War One and World War Two, and you see how many people in one tiny community, but it's really more stretched out community. That is mind blowing to me in, in all the places we've been. Um, that they, I think that's an important thing and, and something that we've really realized as we do our Love Your Parks tour are like, not only are you preserving this beautiful piece of land that's restful and cemeteries do a really good job too of that. Um, and we need to fund and help them to maintain the cemeteries. Um, but I think these memorial parks, is that part of Memorial Day or is that kind of started, do you think, beforehand? It's just communities going, we need to honor someone that didn't come home. You know, it's, well, it's, it's a, uh, it, it, yeah, you know, it, it, it grew pretty much out of, of the same mentality. And, you know, because you had these different memorials that, uh, you know, that had populated all across America. And uh, they were really just parts of like the town square, or they were part of a, uh, they were part of a park project that, you know, some local community fathers would get together and organize, and they would make a monument honoring those who had passed away in any number of the recent conflicts. I mean, for instance, um, you know, there would be a memorial honoring those who had fought and died in the Civil War or those who had mm. uh, those who had died in the Indian Wars of the American West or even the Spanish-American War. I think you really start to see it hit critical mass in the span between the war with Spain and World War One, mm. And really afterwards, you start them, you see them start to become a lot more permanent fixtures. And, uh, you know, that span of about 25 years, that 25 year impetus really got the, uh, you know, really got uh, the wheels turning for, you know, making specific days for remembrance and making specific spaces for remembrance. And, you know, not not only remembrance, but reverence as well. I think Mm -hmm. it's a way to keep it in the forefront. You know, it's I'm not always a fan of like, oh, it's Black History Month. Everybody. So uh, to me, we should be representing all the time. Right. And, And keeping that. Black history, military history, you know, Irish history, you know, all of, you know, everything should always be represented. But it is really kind of true that human beings need that jolt of remembrance. And then as we're doing all this interesting thing of statues and everything um, and looking at what books get to be banned and not and um. It's just getting to a point where had I think these days are really important to just kind of not let history go by. You know what I mean? Don't forget, you know, and not many people make a habit of going to cemeteries like Nancy and I. But um, we like it. I mean, it's a, it because you go to a cemetery and you, I mean, you'll find someone from the Revolutionary War or like That's Geronimo's amazing. grandson. And, and the horse grave. Oh, the horse grave, the Civil War horse. I mean, yeah. the, that's the other that thing. I mean, to me, like. Oh my gosh! The yeah, what about? Yeah, so honored that they actually buried the horse in the cemetery. I the mean, human that, cemetery. Yeah, in a human mm-hmm. cemetery, they buried the horse out of honor for what that horse did during the six war. battles in the Civil War. Six battles yeah. he went through and still came. And home. I was like, now that's impressive to me. That was like, wow. That was cold you know, water, like, Michigan. Yeah. That, and I was like, who does that? That's the first and only time I've ever seen that. Yeah, Mike, have, what about the animals that go to war? Like dogs yeah. and, you know, yeah. 
Not so much just the armed forces, but horses were a big part of war. Oh, they were. They were. You know, yeah. You know, and it it uh, it it was always um, it was always a point of reverence for any trusty animal that could go into combat. Um, Mm. You know, for years when we were still when we were still riding into battle on horseback, you know, it was understood Mm. that uh, that you had to have direct synchronicity with the horse that you were mounted on because that was a living, breathing creature who Mm. had its own temperament, who had its own you know tolerance to. Um, heat and cold and you know what it could and couldn't take because uh you know horses could just as easily get shell shocked as men could and uh you know you had to be you know you not only had to be an experienced rider you had to uh you had to have a uh, a certain amount of finesse and being able to relate to that animal you know and uh you know it's no big secret that uh they they say little kids and animals can always tell if a person is bad um, mm. you know, like household pets will shy away from anyone who they oh, think yeah. is <laughs> off. Um, you know, so so in a sense, whether or not uh, someone was a good fit for the cavalry would be, you know, how well they were able to form a working bond with the animal that they were entrusted with. Because, uh, mm. you know, if uh, if you didn't have a good relationship with that animal, you know, they would let you know it. And to any, to any onlooker or bystander, you know, the, the message would come across pretty quick that, Oh, wow. That animal really does not like that person. There's probably a reason why, mm-hmm. um, you know, yep. so uh, it, it, it was always, it was always something that was to be taken with a very high degree of reverence. Yeah. The as d- dating. Animal. Yeah. If you're and dating with the military, oh. police dogs. Mm. Oh, and you're not allowed to play with them. You know, and you go over the borders into Mexico and stuff, and you go back through Border Patrol, and the dogs, I mean, they're all German Shepherds, and you're just like, oh, they always But you're not allowed to play with them. Yeah. I know you're not allowed to pet them, and you shouldn't talk to them, and the, and the guards at the border get really kind of frustrated. And they're just like, oh, no, look at you. And the dog starts wagging its tail. You know, mm. and, the, and the, the Border Patrol people get a little, you know, like, mm. stop You're it. not supposed and to. I understand. I know you're not supposed to. You're not to play just, with the Mounties either, with the Royal Canadian. I know, but um, it just is mounted. a kinship thing. Yeah, it like, is. The animals know, and and they know. Even like the security, like there is a, they're doing their thing. They're very highly. I mean, I just think we should give a shout out to the animals too. And um, I want to know, Mike Dunmire, um, do 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 animals play into? who your daughters date (laughs) (laughs) like in in regards to dog like if the dog doesn't like them and you don't like them you know there's a problem right (laughs) absolutely in fact i i I raised both of my dogs to not like teenage boys that were coming over to the house so we we definitely had you know they were they were they were put on notice (laughs) oh see this is it this is it well see joey this is the whole thing we've come back on full circle now of communication right this is the full circle it's it's interesting how it all works out but um before we get into um memorial day i do want to let everybody know um that may 28th which is today happens to be national and international burger day now the recipes, we have recipes in the show notes. So check it out, whether you're listening on Spotify or YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're listening, check out those links for burgers. But 
Um, Joey, what, what kind of burger? What do you, are, are you going to have an Elvis burger with me with peanut butter and pickles? I just don't want the bananas or what are you going to have? <laughs> that's a, that's you know, there's, there's a lot of good burgers, uh, here in my hometown and, um, there's several restaurants that do it really well, but my, uh, my favorite restaurant here is called uh, for the burger is called the rookery. And it's been a, an institution here since I was, since I moved here about, about you know, 20 some odd years ago. And um, gosh, it's probably been longer than that now that I think about it. Um, but anyway, they have two two burgers that are pretty amazing. One has uh, pimento cheese and uh, uh, and sweet pickles, which is you I You really love. are in the South. You're in the South now. You we really are. We are in the South. Then the other burger that my wife adores, and I have become a fan as well, um, intuitively sounds disgusting, but it's actually quite delicious. It's peanut butter and bacon. See, that's me. Mm. That's an Elvis burger. Yes, that is an Elvis burger. And, and now the true Elvis burger has bananas on it. And he used to have peanut butter and bacon and banana sandwiches. And Elvis served in the military. That ties into your music playlist, one of your picks. Um, but I... Uh, peanut butter and bacon burgers, but you have to have the pickle because it that cuts the, the the butter. It's like I eat peanut butter and pickle sandwiches all the time. I'm, huh. Well, I'm not they pregnant. Call, they call that. They call Just that to make sure everyone in knows. Home, in my hometown, they call that 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 uh, burger is actually called the Jimmy Carter burger here. So really, uh, oh. oh well, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Wow. All the burgers are named. All the burgers are named for 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 famous Georgians uh, at this at this restaurant. But yeah, I oh do love God. a good burger. And now that I'm trying to lose some weight, um, I I, uh, I still can have a burger. What I do is I just take the top bun off. I don't eat, I don't eat both both sides of the bun. So I just, uh, which is a little messier, but saves me some, some good calories. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> he's, a, he's a one burger. He's a one bun burger, dude. Oh, Nancy, yeah. what are you having wow. on your burger? I want to go to what? Nancy on her. What are you having oh, on you your know, burger? I know she you, wants bacon. Bacon. You have to have bacon. You have to have cheese, and you have to have pickles. After that, I don't, yeah, I don't care if it's beef or chicken because we've had chicken burgers. What about fake what about meat? Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, yeah, we've had that. Um, or how about how about those patties made out of beans? Okay, I pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think there's a double entendre in there somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Well, we do have Mike Dunmire here who's, you know, into wind. Um, <laughs> so I think bean burgers help. I there's mean, a can, double entendre in there. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike Dunmire, I don't, can you hear us okay? I know we're going in and out a little bit here. Yeah, we're going in and out for some reason. Yeah, we are. We are. Um, but Mike, what's Nancy's on your burger? Clear, but you're, you're a little, yeah. But yeah, at least well, you're going to edit out. Well, make sure Mike answers what he wants on his burger. Mike well, Dunmore. Well, you know, I, I can go two ways. You know, uh, uh, there's a place in town. But, you know, kind of plays the, the TV show as well. Mm. And it's, it's delicious. It's got... You know, fried onion rings, uh, tomatoes, uh, you know, really good cheese, a really healthy serving, and then with barbecue sauce and, and bacon, of course, it works really, really well. 
Um, yeah. But personally, cool. I really like to focus on a few simple tastes there. So I love, you know, a really good thick burger, uh, tomato, and always avocado. Those three things work really, really well mm. together. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and we had the Royal Farms chicken with you. That was good. Okay. Yeah. Got to give them a shout out. That was that was good. Um, I want to go to Mike Guardia. What what burger are you having? Well, let's see. Uh, I probably have to go with a double meat cheeseburger, bacon, avocado. Anything else is negotiable. Avocado, I'm with you on that. The avocado, like I'm, so, even if you have eggs Benedict, you have to put the avocado in it. Put the egg in the avocado. Put the lime oh, in the okay. coconut. Uh, avocado, <laughs> I was scared to go to the Midwest because I was scared that there wouldn't be avocados. I was scared to go uh, uh, anywhere that wasn't in the South if they didn't have avocados. I w- I'm like, that is a superfood that everybody must have is that's avocado. A- it's a very wouldn't valid it, fear, Lisa. It is. Wouldn't it, be, <laughs> wouldn't it be interesting if you went into a restaurant and they named the burgers after like uh, presidents? So, you, oh, that's what Joey's uh, does. Yeah, yeah like a Andrew Jackson or Uh-oh. Abraham Lincoln burger, or you know, what would you put on it? Like, you picked your favorite president. Abraham Lincoln would have to have a hot dog because of the Lincoln log. What? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's an interesting correlation. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my gosh. All right. Go to, how did we get there? Well, I don't but know. But if you uh, your president and make a burger that would, in your mind, represent that president, what would you put on the burger? Oh, mm. gosh. Yeah, think about it. Isn't that interesting? Like, what what would you put on it? Like, well, the or, the, the Ronald Reagan burger should have to have uh, jelly beans because he was a he yeah. Liked, he liked, yeah, yeah he liked jelly beans. He liked the jelly beans. Yeah, and, and an Obama burger would 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 need pineapple for the Hawaii connection. Oh, good yeah. call. Yeah, and good and call. he liked beer. He yeah. liked he liked cheap ham beer and pineapple. Oh, a slice of ham on your burger with pineapple. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Mm. nah. Has to have ham. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What, a, like, Guardia? What would you say? What about Truman? We're recording on Truman's birthday. Oh, so then he would ahead. only he Truman would cut off everything because he was frugal. He's a good president. Well, I don't know. I think. Uh... I think Truman would probably put on the burger whatever his wife would have, because Lord knows he uh, spent uh, an inordinate amount of time uh, trying to win her affection. So. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. See, hmm. Eisenhower would have the road trip burger. <laughs> they would have to have bacon because it looks like it's got the center oh, divide. He'd, he'd, have, he'd have the interstate burger. Yeah, the interstate. When he'd yeah. have the center divide. Yeah. 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 And for some reason, my grandmother absolutely idolized Eisenhower. She just loved him. And every time I went to stay with her, I just got this ear full of Eisenhower. Oh. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Listen, um, I, I I, don't know. I guess she had a major crush, crush on him or something. I don't know. But she wow. just thought he was the best ever. 
Well, I want to let you all know that this is also an important thing on Memorial Day. May 29th also happens to be National Alligator Day. Now, this is... Yikes. No, come on. Listen, there are gator buddies. Burgers. I love. No, don't eat the gator. They do in Louisiana. We know I mean, people that. I'd know, rather eat come, the gators the other way around. No, but the I gators are I so cool. I don't want to eat a yeah, gator. They, will they, eat you up. they have been in existence for been, 35 million you know years. What, and you know what? Sometimes we've been in swamps and we just look at them and they don't we blink. Sing. We always blink first. You know, so that, <laughs> that's not okay. good. Who blinks first? You it's know? a submissive one. You should no, never play a game of chicken with an alligator. No, no, but the alligators are so like they just suss you out. They look at you. They, I did film one time. eating a turtle, and he just you could hear that they're the, just the, like the I'm biding crack. my was... time till you fall in the swamp and I can listen. Eat you. I just I brought this up because Joey is in Macon, Georgia, and Georgia is home to the Okefenokee Swamp, oh, which no. is where gators live, and we filmed many gators there. And I mean, you're right there with them, and. Our tour, our Love Your Parks tour started because we went to the Everglades and mm-hmm. uh, we saw a kid throw a, a can, an empty can of soda into oh, no. a nest of alligators and the oh, parents didn't oh. say anything and no one said anything. And we just said, that's- you know what, something, some education needs to happen here. So um, that's how, that is kind of what one how of the do you go things. get it out, you know? You no, know, you're going to send a park yeah. ranger there? Like, come on. Send so, um, yeah. But you they know, were- no. They were no, send a politician. So you even, <laughs> you know, but they were they only spoke German, so you couldn't even talk to them. No, but it was like, but 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 this is the education of like but, these are living I mean, these are dinosaurs there, you know. Yeah. So I just want to say it's it's Gator it's Day and, and we and we love alligators and um Merritt Island National cool. Wildlife Refuge will be the park of the day because it's next to Cape Canaveral. And I believe Cape Canaveral, I mean, that's where the space, uh, you know, the rockets go off and people can go to the National Seashore. So this is what's cool about this National Seashore, which Nancy and I have been to, and you can see gators. Mm. You can be on the beach. It's one of the most pristine beaches Mm -hmm. um, on that side of the coast of Florida, on the eastern, we're back on the eastern shore. But it also is a nudie beach, too. They have two nudie beaches. You can be topless as a woman. Um, I don't know about the men being bottom, but it's a nudie. It's a it's a naked. They have That's two naked beaches, thing. so you can naked? watch the the rockets go off, be naked, and see alligators ah, all in the ah, same ah, park. Ah, ah, I'm just saying. What what That's else do you need? I know. I couldn't. I could not believe it. Figure for that. I don't have the figure that I feel comfortable being naked on the but, beach. But really, but no, why? Me neither. No, but I'm just saying lot? no. I can scar know. people for life, I suppose. I can scar them psychologically no, but, by being it, naked. But oh, but, you know, we we if humanity took so long to invent clothes and get it right. And yeah, we're yeah. still working on that. So listen, <laughs> like, listen. Oh, if I if if I went naked on a beach, my song because I'm going to add this to the playlist oh, is boy. "See You Later, <laughs> Alligator." <laughs> I had to bring that up. Um, Mike Guardia, were there any place like didn't in, didn't it happen like in places for military serving that suddenly they were in like that kind of situation oh. where people were naked and like just different cultures and stuff like that for the military going out and like ooh that's a different culture that's an eye opener didn't that kind of happen uh, in in some places well, yeah in history well yeah you know in uh in a matter of speaking that uh that's very similar to what the army of occupation experienced when uh they 
when they set up shop in occupied Japan um, because they they found out um, just as a matter of course that that uh, the the Japanese society as a whole didn't have any societal or religious hangups about sex. In fact, uh, mm. they encouraged it. And uh, the American GIs who, you know, many of them at this point had been away from home for four years, hadn't seen a woman. Uh, they took full advantage of it. And, uh, you know, they, it, it uh, was not unusual for any number of the American GIs to keep, uh, to keep a number of Japanese girlfriends in the town and uh you know even for a few uh soldiers to oversleep at a local brothel um mm. just because uh you know it, they they saw it as as a uh you know as a pure pure situation of supply and demand you know because uh this was it's something that yeah it's this well, this was something treat. that Japanese society celebrated and uh, you know the uh, the American soldiers were were certainly willing to get their fair share of it. <laughs> so. Wow, the supply and demand—that's like that's well, crazy. No, like, but I mean, in our travels, especially in different parts of Africa, the the um, restrictions or whatever call it that we have here are so strict compared to other countries that I wonder, like. Okay, I know we were settled, and it, oh boy, I gotta really watch my language here. But anyway, um, the the lack of freedom here in respect of okay, sex and nudity and personal relationships and all that is far stricter than what most people think compared to other civilizations in other countries, and you know we always. You kind of feel like America's a forerunner of this and that, but not really. We're hmm. kind of behind in some areas and kind of advanced in other areas. But when it comes to nudity and um, being natural in the environment, I mean, if you see a naked person on the street, most people are cops. Well, and that just ruins I, my whole weekend. <laughs> but this, but listen, I didn't know we were going to talk about this. But then you think about know, like uniforms, like what, like, so what you're wearing. A law to run down the street naked in most counties and cities. Absolutely. Wow, this is going to lead against, back to the hamburgers okay. and the alligators okay. somewhere. I don't know what where. Like, but I want to go back. Like this funny. leads to uniforms, Sorry. though, right? Wearing, I mean, because if you're naked, like you know, in in Africa, like in I mean, you know, Sh- yeah, Shaka Zulu, yeah. they just had like their little thingy around their waist, right, little pelmety thing, and they had they, but they went barefoot. And you, you know, I I have a thing about Shaka Zulu. I think he was one of the most badass military I, leaders of military all time, strategy. and he took out the British so well when he did the yeah. crawl mm-hmm. and the circle, and they just he Dude. just like wiped them out. And he mm-hmm. let people over fire. I mean, I know Ton- Tony Robbins. I think that's his name. Tim. I don't. Tony Robbins. These know. people over hot coals and whatever. Shaka Zulu no, was doing whatever. that a long time ago with his troops. They ran over hot coals, thorns, everything barefoot because they could but move he got faster. Strategy, man. He, he had strategy. He was a badass. Strategy. Yeah. So, Mike, when it comes to uniforms for those who serve, like, like I, you, I mean, there's. 
bullet vests and or bulletproof vests and things like that, depending mm. on who, what, and where. But I don't know. Mm. It's like rugby versus football. Football, they're all padded up. Wow. Rugby's like, I'm going to get you bare, like, bare fist. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I'm just going out there, right? Oh, so boy. when it comes to military, like the clothing, you don't want your clothing to hold you down, right? Your boots should still, like, they're heavy, but you, <laughs> I mean, isn't that where your physique and your your uniform has to meet and match yeah. in a you way. Know, it, it, uh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, every, well, I won't say every uniform decision, but most of them are made with a uh, team of experts who look at everything from functionality um, mm-hmm. to how it will, how it will facilitate good ergonomics on and off the battlefield. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really just how, it can survive the rough and tumble world of what we call fatigue duty. And that's actually where the term fatigues came from. Uh, you know, just things that will, uh, things that will keep a soldier protected from the basic elements and one that can facilitate good mission accomplishment. And uh, you know, that's really been the driving force behind uh, every uniform that we've had as a military for the better part of the past 100 years. Mm, wow. See, see how I got us back off the nudie thing? See? <laughs> Full circle. I did not know that about you fatigue. You got us dressed. I know. I got us dressed. Okay. So I want to, I want to touch on, you know, Memorial Weekend and stories. Um, and Mike, mm. I mean, you've written 20, is it 25 books? Am I getting this number right? Cause I know you got more yep. and ah, finally, cause he's always had a bigger number. Um, that he's and he writes about you know the actual soldiers and then also you learn also things about if he's writing about f-14s f-15s and you know about who flew them including russian women right <laughs> like he's just always got the who who's doing all he's the humane or not humane humanity story behind military like the people you know mm-hmm. and who they were and i think that's mm-hmm. so so very important. And that is a thing about Military Appreciation Month, mili- you know, Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Um, and we're going to go all the way through, you know, we're, you know, D-Day's coming up too when we, we look back mm-hmm. then. Um, but I want to go to some stories here. And, and Joey, I know we're going to talk music. I don't know if you have family in the military, um, but I want to I want to go to Mike Dunmire because this is not a story we knew until we sat down and had a picnic mm-hmm. overlooking a lake and a bald eagle flows, flies over and he's mm-hmm. like, well, did you know this story about my grandfather? And we both stopped short and like, dude, you need to be on tomorrow's show. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. seriously. Um, but this this is one of those stories that um, talk about heroes. Number one, I think anyone going out to go into war and to be part of the the workings to, to protect and serve, right? Um, whether you're a mechanic or a medic, you know, every there's so many people involved in what makes the military happen um, is a hero. Um, but your mm-hmm. grandfather stands out as like, holy cow. So do you mind telling everybody the story? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be happy to. And I think, you know, the, the, the follow on piece, too, is how much, you know, it, it affects families uh, because this, mm-hmm. this sent our family on down several courses that obviously would not have happened with, without these things. But uh, just to start from the beginning, like I told you guys over the weekend, um, my mm-hmm. grandmother in the mid 1930s uh, was on a boat bound for the Philippines because she was engaged to a serviceman who was stationed out there. Um, and they were, she was going there to, to get married. And 
on that same boat uh, was my grandfather, William James Dunmire, who uh, during the course of that journey uh, talked her out of marrying the guy that she was going to see and into marrying him. Um, so truly, obviously gifted with a silver tongue. Uh, but, uh, you know, they get there. I assume it's a little uncomfortable for a while, but they, they address that issue and a whirlwind romance ensues. They get married. Um, uh, a year and a half later, my, my dad is born uh, and uh, they're there for a couple of years. And my grandmother told stories about this period uh, constantly. It was really the happiest time of her life. It was a wonderful time mm-hmm. for her. But, you know, you guys know that the, the years and what's going on. So they reached a point where it was getting dangerous. So my grandmother and my father were evacuated. Mm-hmm. My grandfather stayed behind. Uh, he had gone to West Point. He was also in the army and it's one of the battle ambassadors of Bataan. And uh, he's survived the fighting, was taken prisoner, uh, survived the death march, survived uh, mm-hmm. all of the atrocities of prison camp. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the war, uh, was being transferred uh, on an unmarked boat from one prison camp to another. And at the time, the United States believed that that's how the, the Japanese were moving troops around. Uh, so uh, the U.S. unfortunately bombed that ship and uh, he didn't make it out of there. And uh, mm-hmm. some years later, uh, in school, I, I, I met a kid and we started talking about our histories and, and uh, his grandfather was also in World War II, also in the Philippines, also died uh, on a boat under seemingly similar circumstances. We each went back to our families and asked questions and uh, uh, it, it turned out they were on the same boat. His grandfather had actually survived and uh, he called it. Uh, it was my grandfather that helped save him. Uh, and uh, that kind of wow. related to what my dad had been it. told was that my grandfather kept going down to help bring more folks out, out you know, from the hole to get them out to safety. And, and at, at one point didn't make it back up himself. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, he did have that, that sacrifice. And, wow. um, it, you know, every, I've heard that, but then I hear it again. And I'm like, still, wow. Wow. Because, you know, everybody's different. And, how do they react in the situation? Mm. Men, I have to say, men are always expected to act more heroically than women. And we're backup crew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, backup. Yeah, yeah. But I, I want to go, go to go to Mike Wardy on this real quick, and, and Nancy, you're breaking up, or maybe I'm breaking up. Um, um, Mike. Guardia, you know the time period and, and everything that Mike Denmeyer is talking about with his grandfather about these these boats or or should I say ships with what was going on with the Japanese at that time? Yeah, so uh, this was uh, this was right around it's right around 1943, 1944, and even one of the guys who I wrote about in the combat diaries he spoke about this um, in passing. You know, it uh, right after um, right after the fall of Bataan. Uh, you know, there was a, um, there was a, uh, a big, there was a big, shall we say, transfer of labor. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, POW internees um, were being put on uh, ships from the Philippines uh, back to, back to the Japanese mainland. And the reason uh, being was that, you know, they wanted to uh, put more, uh, they wanted to put more POWs to work in the hometown industries uh, to support the ongoing war effort against the U.S. Because, you know, by by the middle of 1943, it was 
it was obvious to many in, in, in the Japanese high command that uh, they were on the losing end of this war and uh, they wanted to put as many bodies as they could into the industrial production, which is why a lot of POW, American POWs ended up working in the Japanese coal mines. Oh. Uh, and oh. yeah, in, in order in order to, uh, you know, get that supply of labor into, you know, the islands of Honshu mm-hmm. and Hokkaido uh, quickly, they would put them on these uh, they put them on these unmarked ships. Well, you know, when uh, when people make uh, too many uneducated guesses or they uh, mm-hmm. they connect dots that aren't really there or, you know, they just uh, they choose to err on the side of being overly cautious. You know, the, the, there was an Intel picture painted that, oh, the uh, Japanese are using these merchant ships as a means to uh, as a means to transport, you know, troops under the uh, under the. Uh, under the guise of neutrality and to an extent Mm -hmm. they were doing that but they were more used to transport civilian labor so uh pretty much anything that could be construed to be a japanese cargo ship was fair game for um allied submarines allied warships and uh and, and and a lot of the fighter reconnaissance planes uh so it was a it was a a sad circumstance of war and Mm -hmm. it, it actually reminds me of something else you know, it's not too dissimilar uh, from other stories that I had come across where there were American POWs and American internees who actually got killed in Hiroshima and Nagasaki when we when we dropped the bombs on on mm. both of those cities. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's sad. I mean, granted, you know. Yeah. Those nuclear mm. weapons were a necessary evil to win the war, but the collateral damage that I don't think anyone ever considered was, you know, hey, we have at least two dozen American uh, POWs in both of these cities that are going to be dying alongside, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of Japanese that get killed. So, yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, I don't know how well tested those implements were. Let me just put it that way. Well, I, I think, think you have to do it done in such a rush. Hey, but it's all part it, of our park system. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, well, I know, but for the families, mm-hmm. it was devastating. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you could go pick and choose who gets to go here, who gets to go there. So, yeah. I, I mean, a war is always like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard know. because even, you know, when we think about, you know, it, it's, it's never, it's complicated. Oh, it's complex. Totally. It's complicated. It's painful. I mean, that's a painful memory, but a heroic memory for your family, uh, Mike, Mike Denmeyer, I'm talking to um, with your grandfather. I mean, at the same time, you know, like what a hero he was saving people and just kept going, you know? Um, and and uh, at the same time, of course, you know, my father never really got to know him. I, of course, never met him. Uh, my, my other grandfather was in the Navy and was at Pearl Harbor, and he fortunately survived and came home. And he got to be a, wow. a, a big thing mm. in my life. But I, but I was telling you guys, um, you know, it, 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 there are a mm. couple big forks that came off of this for the family. And this is the case for, you know, all families are impacted by this when, when these things mm-hmm. happen. But um, my dad was a really good baseball player. And uh, in his senior year of high school, the Orioles uh, wanted to sign him to a minor league contract. And they approached him the same day that he got his acceptance to West Point and he, he chose oh. to go to West Point. And, and really his reasoning oh. for doing that was he wanted to know his father. Uh, 
you know, he, he, he left when mm. he was two, so he had no real memories of him. But what he knew is that West Point was incredibly important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was a, a big part of how he saw himself, the, 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 the duty on our country that is, is taught there was, was important to him. And so my dad wanted to mm. experience that. And, and my grandmother eventually remarried and had another son 10 years after my father. Uh, and, and that husband unfortunately died when my uncle was very young. So my dad raised my uncle and he looked up to him. And so he also went to West Point because of his, you mm. know, reverence for my dad. Uh, so we were mm. you know, a long-term military family. Uh, and, you know, there, there are other issues of this as well, but you think about, you know, how things, the ripple effects uh, mm-hmm. of the sacrifice mm-hmm. people make through the generations. Well, that's yeah. the same for you, Mike Guardia, right? Um, military Mike, that your family also served and then it continues down through the family of people serving. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's part of, part of how it works. Joey, is there military in your family? Anyone? Yeah, there served? actually is. Yeah. My, um, my, uh, my, bo- both my grandfathers, um, uh, my, my uh, mom's uh, dad and then, and then her stepdad both served in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And my uncle, whose birthday is June 3rd, um, oh wow! He he actually was uh ended up with the rank of lieutenant commander in the navy and uh, was there on D Day landing boats. Um, wow! Oh and, wow! Uh, yeah, and then mm-hmm. he also was part of uh, later on. He was also part of the naval mission helping NASA. Uh, I, and I I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm 95 percent sure I'm correct about this. Uh, he was out on one of the ships that did the recovery when John Glenn's capsule. Uh, went into space Ooh, so cool. uh, yeah so so i mean he and he was uh, such an interesting fellow um and literally you know came from that generation that just never never quit no matter what happened um just never never stopped and you know always tough and uh he was uh, just a really interesting guy he uh he had pancreatic cancer uh, that mm. did not get him which is highly mm. very rare I mean that that yeah. that's a very aggressive cancer. He had skin cancer twice, um, and he 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 finally passed away um, around ninety nine. So he he lived a long, mm-hmm. productive life that was uh, very steeped in service. And I always think of him this time of year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it also when you think about music, right? That's what we're going to touch on and close with that on the show is music. There's a lot of holidays and food and everything, but really. Um, you know, you can't beat a good burger, right? When you talk about food, that's so um, true. I, you really can't. Um, even if, uh, and listen, the bean burgers are okay too, and you could get Beyond Meat they, burgers they and I, all I, that. I don't have a problem with them as long as no, no one stands behind me. Yeah, that's when you <laughs> leave the restaurant, and yeah, that's how I you mean, clear I, well, tables. I'm, no, I, don't, I, I, I feel <laughs> like I feel like I feel like there has to be a balance, Lisa. I feel like I should be able to stay in the restaurant, but I should just warn people not to stand behind me. But I just say that's how you clear clear tables. You I mean, know, you know, if guests. you really need a private conversation, I guess you could. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, but just it should be a line for bean burgers to go, and then <laughs> people bean, are bean saying burgers bean are good burgers. for your heart. That's my like, next there should be a, entrepreneurial a, thing. Bean burgers yeah. to go is my next business. Yeah, <laughs> so patent like patent bean pending on that. Burgers to go. Actually, I change, let's, let's change it. Blind bean burger go. Because oh, okay. Well, listen, listen. Want, yeah. This this way we're gonna help. We're gonna help Mike. 
Mike over at the at US Wind. We're going to help him produce wind. Absolutely, yeah. Mike. I'm, I'm your boy. I am. I am. I am here for you, Mike. That's you know, and when you people, go people rent, you know, are, are concerned about you know the 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 full time reliability of wind. But Joey, I believe you can close the gap, right? Not only not, and let me tell you something. I can I can not only give you hot air from the front but from the back. So I am I am absolutely. No. Oh my God. Your new turbine. I think we should harness the bean burger. Absolutely. Oh, listen, listen, I just want to go to Mike Guardia, Military Mike. You were in a tank. How did the hell did you guys handle each oh, other? Oh, gosh, darn. In a tank. Dude. Like, I mean, where, Very I mean, was, yeah, I mean, did, was it, I mean, did this come up? Was this part of things? Like, did, did, did hey, this become, have, no, wait, do you have, you have air conditioning in a, in a tank? Well, no air conditioning per se, but we did have a hack that we used. Um, so the tank okay. had what was called an NBC overpressurization system. And <laughs> NBC stands for nuclear, biological, and chemical. Well, um, what it is is it's this air hose, right, that is uh, supposed to um, – supposed to hook up to your it's, it's supposed to hook up to your gas mask in in the case of a uh, in, you know, in, in case of a biological attack so what we do oh, is instead, yeah. of, instead of using it instead of uh, instead of using it for that purpose i mean we can if the need if the need <laughs> arises but what we did instead is we would take the uh, cold air hose and we would stick it down the front of our uniforms and uh, you know that, of course, would be a Johnny on the spot AC system and kept us cool. And uh, you know, it, it, the smells were probably a lot worse inside the tank than what we knew, or even what we were cognizant of it at the time. But uh, you know, when you take a bunch of sweaty guys and you just keep them out in the field for so long, after about a week, I mean, your whole sense of smell is completely desensitized. You you, you really don't smell anything over the Oh, over the metal and over the smell mm. of the gunpowder and all of the depleted mm. uranium shooting. Mm. Um, oh wow! So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I could just so, see so like a bunch of guys. Don't in talk, the tank Don't passing don't. the the hose. Like, dude, you need the hose. You need it now. You need the hose. <laughs> no, but when he was talking about chemical gas masks and stuff, I just went like, okay, we when we meet Joey. I'm going to oh, go visit boy. Mike first and get a gas I'm just saying. I, I, here, here's, here's the thing you need to understand. Um, I, I'm not say I have no empirical data that I am smelly uh, because I, and my wife is too uh, politic to, to say so. Um, but I will just say that while olfactually you might be damaged, from a musical musical perspective, I am remarkably in tune. That's all I have to say about but it. But listen, it's vibration. See, listen. It's all frequency, good, man. Listen, I'm just going to say a really good That's break of funny. wind has good yeah. vibration. Uh, and you can feel it. Seriously. Like the silent ones, like, oh, come on. Like, I well, come on. I, nothing about me is silent, Lisa. So that's... Well, you know. All right, so let's talk about music. We've, talked, geez, um, let's go to Elvis, uh, Joey. I and and I know I want to hear what Mike Mike Guardia has on on uh, tap for music. I know Mike Denmire's got some Alice in Chains, and um, this is an Good interesting call. thing when we talk about military music. And uh, Elvis served in the military, and that was famous. And um, yeah, apparently you've got some stories. Yeah. So you know. Um, um, 
I, one of the people, when we first started talking about this show, um, I was thinking, who was it that served in the military that was also a musician? And so there were several people that came to mind, Elvis and Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. um, both of them, not only because I admire them uh, as artists and, and also admire that they served their country and, 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 you know, did that, uh, you know, at, at, at Elvis's case, you know, kind of at the expense of his, his budding career. Uh, but um, they all recorded at uh, the famous Sun Studio in Memphis, mm. which is real dear to my heart because um, we were, my band was on tour and we were, had a day off and I was like, that's stupid. We should not have a day off. Let's do something. And we found out that, um, that the Sun Studio um was a museum from 10 to 6 and mm-hmm. then from 7 to 10 you could rent the studio at an astronomically high rate a very high rate that really it, it wasn't worth technically but uh, i mean if, you know if i was judging it based solely on what you're getting in the recording i'd be like this is this is four times too high but anyway um it was more about just capturing my band at this at the time that we were in that moment and it was basically a live album we recorded in the studio three hours and we just did the whole album and it was just live and everybody was in the same room and the engineers didn't really oh. know how to give you all the things that one normally expects in a studio. So I was like, Hey, I'd like a click track here on channel eight in my headphone box. And like, ah, we don't have to do that. And I was like, okay, we don't need a click track. Never mind. And so anyway, the, the whole point is that it, whereas I use, you know, 14 mics sometimes just on a drum set, we had two on this drum set. So it was really oh. back, back like Whoa. we were doing it in the fifties. So basically, wow. you guys are like the soggy bottom boys. Well, <laughs> they were out though. I, I I feel like there's a, there's a double entendre there as well. Um, yes, yeah, I know. Exactly I just right. had to go there. Singing singing into a tin can, but but it basically, I mean, it really was everybody in the same room, a handful of microphones for the whole band, all the mics and all the amps um, were all from the you know early '60s to mid '60s. Uh, the drum set was the drum set that had been gifted to the studio from U2 when they recorded their song Angel of Harlem at Sun Studio for their oh, wow. uh, jo- Joshua Tree record. So I we all took turns on that. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, so I thought I, I think about Sun Studio. And then Johnny Cash's uh, grandson, uh, who owned a, a studio for a while and and uh, toured for a while, actually opened for me when I was in Washington, D.C. At, at a place called Gypsy Sally's, which is sadly no longer in business because of COVID. But anyway, all these thoughts connected in my mind when I started thinking about that. And of course, um, I always think of uh, World War II, the amazing, that's that's a very uh, prominent mm-hmm. uh, you know, military history in my mind for a lot of reasons. But I always think of the incredible music they had during that era. Mm-hmm. So I always think of Glenn Miller. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, Glenn Miller also serving as a musician um, I believe he was in the army. I can't remember, but anyway, he was definitely part in the, you know, in the military and 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 did several broadcasts uh, um, on military radio and did all kinds of things and and uh, I believe he had the rank of captain, if I'm not mistaken. But he uh, he's always such an inspiration to me for for truly great ensemble music. So I always think of of Glenn Miller and and you know there's there's others, but those those were the ones that I always uh, popped in my mm. mind. First of all, if we think about music that has ties to um you know the, the military yeah mm-hmm. and glenn miller is huge i mean and you also think back to you know as we do our park tour and it was interesting we when we were with mike denmeyer out in uh tuckahoe state park in maryland we were like oh let's go sit in the gazebo 
and there's no seating in the gazebo. Well, historically, gazebos were like the bandstand. They were the mm-hmm. the stomping the stomping grounds or whatever. This what do you call it, Mike? The the stomping where the politicians will go out there and start getting uh, on their stump. soapbox and getting yeah, on with it. Stomping speeches. <laughs> yeah, and so gazebos, you know, um, are a huge deal. And so typically, you don't have seating in a gazebo. And it dawned on me, and I was like, well, what, what's the point in a park, though? And then I'm like, oh, yeah. And then we saw people getting their prom pictures taken. I'm like, that's what it's for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a good time. But it's interesting because you think about these bands that would play and these. We are photographing, we're documenting courthouses across the country. And so majority of the time, the courthouses come in, and I've got to, I got to get Mike Guardia to help me on this. I don't, I don't know how far you go on that side of history, but courthouses come in but it's they seem to have the gazebos that kind of ties into stuff right um with that stomping and then people gathering when someone needs to say a message and then there's a band or like a fourth of july picnic i'm talking about like way historically maybe 40 50 that's not way history i mean indigenous people his that's historic but i'm like 40s 50s maybe even the 30s they did it and then like Harper's Ferry, we went and we saw a gazebo there. This was historic about the band playing in there. Um, there's these band shells as well that Nancy and I, when we had our band, like in, in Oceanside, California, they tried to take this historic band shell down and we stood up with our band and they wanted to wipe out our coastline and give it to condos and take away for public people. Which would also ruin it for the military. And well, Camp Pendleton has their own beach. We played there. Our band played there. Um, it was really that cool. Was it was really cool. <laughs> but we had to stand up for this, you know, band shell that they wanted to wipe out to put a condo in. And it's still there. And the Top Gun house is there, Mike Guardia, just saying. Yeah. It's right, mm-hmm. right around there. They serve pie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very cool <laughs> house. It is. It's the Top Gun house. It is. It's a. It's where they filmed like- Tom Cruise and... Kelly no, I just, and, I just, and, I just love. I like. I like the aside. They that's they also serve pie. That was. <laughs> yeah, they're they're known for it. They're known for pie. They it's are Top Gun pie. Yeah, but yeah. it's a Top Gun pie, and it, and it helps historic the historic people and everything. But our band used to record. We used to uh, rehearse in a gazebo in a band shell in yeah, Heritage Village, in Oceanside, on which is on the back end of Camp Pendleton. And people used to come and they would come, they would know we're rehearsing and they would come to the village. And here we had all these historic buildings and we had this band. It was like, what are we doing? This is insane. But they, there's something about kind of advice. Yeah. So much fun. They told us what, you know, the bass needs to go up. No, no. But we were, we were a fledgling yeah. little band, but I want to go to that. Mike, what do you like these band shells? And I mean, what we're photographing all the, and these places doesn't it tie into military pride too about when people come home you need that that band shell or that that band stand is that something that started with us what do you know or am i well, do i get to stump you yet <laughs> no well you know uh, the, oh, no. the whole the the whole home, homecoming band thing was uh mm. you know was, was part of the fanfare that uh has a pretty deep rooted tradition in a lot of the Anglophone armies and, you know, even, mm. e- even armies abroad, uh, you know, it just became, a, it became a lot more formalized uh, towards the turn of the century because, you know, there was, um, 
Yeah, there, there was a certain fanfare associated with surviving the war. And, you know, people knew a very intimate level that, you know, surviving war was really the only glory to be had. Um, mm. You know, yeah. of course, That's freedom. That, yeah, for, for a lot for a lot of folks that kind of went by the wayside uh, with the uh with the onset of Vietnam, but uh you know, we saw a resurgence of that really uh really at the end of Desert Storm when you know suddenly it was, you know, chic to throw the ticker tape parades and you know, all that stuff. So what I, just, I mean, what I does just, that feel like hmm. it, for for the military themselves? Those who serve well, it, it, and maybe it, it, gotten out. Well, yeah, it, it uh, from my perspective, I'll tell you, it, it feels somewhat refreshing to mm. just know that on some level that we're appreciated beyond yeah. the customary and the salutary. Thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, uh, it it's in some ways it's also a little therapeutic. In the sense that you know you, you you feel like your your hometown, or you feel like the people who are closest to you are, are doing their best mm-hmm. to make your homecoming a pleasant one and give you a uh, a conduit to decompress from any number of things that you know you've either experienced or you know just did help you return to civilian life in a normal form or fashion. It's kind of like when, you know, we see now where we have um, men and women, you know, we talk about prisoners of war, but journalists and people getting held overseas, right? And and these trades having to be made. I mean, it's been recent, too. And they're coming home. It's like, how do you go from being in like a Russian prison, come home, you know, you you know, they've been tortured. You know, Mike, you're, you're, Mike Dunmar, your family went through that, your grandfather, and then come home, you want to have... It just that people actually acknowledged where you were and that they were also watching out. I think that's so important. And I I feel like we we talk about this in the shows. I know, you know, it's like we've got to not forget those who are out there. And I feel like we do sometimes on the civilian side to really get out there. And it's not just this. Like you're saying, oh, thank you for your service, like. But then at sometimes some some veterans don't want to hear it. Like, you know, our friend, one friend who's he's oh, passed now, his brother, his brother who served in World War Two and then Vietnam, he's like, I don't want to talk about any of it. Like, don't don't even. Yeah. Well, like sometimes it's so it's it's really hard to know what to do. But I think if you put it out there that um, you do care. And you do it from integrity. That that means the world. If you do something integrity, you know what I mean. Not just to say something to be the popular. This is what you say. Wouldn't you say that, Mike? Mm-hmm. It's the integrity of understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, Mike, do you have a have any songs you want to add to the playlist? And everyone, this is all going to be in the show notes. And everyone's written me stories, and it's all going to be in there. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's a. Uh, yeah. There, there's. There's one particular song that uh, is a point of motivation for me. Um, may sound a little silly or a little cliche, but uh, if you saw the original Karate Kid with Ralph Macchio, mm-hmm. there's that uh, there's that song that's playing 
during the montage where he's in the tournament, you're the best around. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that has always been a uh, song that has, uh, that has gotten the uh, heart pumping for me and one that, yeah, one that uh, I always find uh, has a a very strong pick me up value. Oh, this is Joe Esposito. That's interesting. Yeah. Hey, mm. listen, who doesn't like Karate Kid? Mike exactly. Dunmeyer, did you watch? Did you come on? Come on. You know, you did it. So, you watch Karate so, Kid, right? Oh, it's, it's how I know how to how to how to paint and, and watch cars. See, exactly. <laughs> Joey, Joey, I know you love movies and you you listen to it mostly, right? Obviously, oh, yeah. it's oh, Karate yes. Kid. I, come yeah, on. We've seen the original uh, what, two or three. Mm. I haven't seen the second and third. I've only seen the first well, no. because I feel weird about seeing have, the second. I have not seen the remake. There was a remake a couple of years ago. We have we haven't watched. No. But... I find I mm. find it hard now. Ralph mm. Macchio was also in Crossroads, and oh, anything what a that fantastic Reich... film! That's a is well, that a not one of the best mm. and greatest soundtracks? Yeah, that's and awesome. um, mm. the there's um, the old gray style. whistle test. The old gray whistle test. I encourage people to go and and Google this on YouTube. Old gray whistle test down in Mississippi with Ry Cooter. From that. Like that anyway that has nothing to do with anything but i'm like it's <laughs> if like just play that when i die like that's all i care about and it has to be that singer he's passed on just when we were going to interview him he died sucked um no, that like sucks. one of the best singers on the planet You're um late. i know i know but um there's there's a song um that jimmy yesi and the late and great Jimmy Essen has been on our show for years and he did pass away from pancreatic cancer. We were talking about that earlier. Um, and he wrote a song for his dad and we've played it on every Memorial day show. And I'm going to figure out how to do it. It's not on Spotify. He didn't do the Spotify thing. Him mm-hmm. and the tall men group didn't, they basically told Spotify what they thought. And, um, but I'll figure out mm-hmm. a way that it is included on the playlist. Otherwise I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, his dad served in World War II, and um, it's an amazing song because it was about coming a, a realization of what his dad had actually gone through. And I think there's something where someone may have gone to war and fought, and they come home, they don't communicate maybe, and they want, you know, joy and happiness and solitude as well to sit with it and figure it out. But um, it, his relationship with his dad was not good on those terms he had to heal and um as a young kid he didn't understand so anyway the song is very very touching and deep and then right after he did his album he passed um he's an incredible singer songwriter um but that is something mike uh, that do you find that with going into the stories that you write about the military military men and women that you write about that in these stories like hal moore and well hal moore is famous you know but but the family still like I know that was like a strong military family. They understood it and grew up with that. Mm-hmm. But are there families that you that they had to really kind of all process that, you know, um, understanding when someone comes home, there's a process. Uh yeah, you know, and, and I think that that's uh something that broader swaths of society don't really understand they don't really get you know they uh you know that they 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 don't seem to grasp 
or for better or for worse, that when these veterans come back or, you know, even if even after they get out of the army for however long that they've been in, they really just need time to decompress. It's like, you know, don't ask them when they're going to do this. Don't ask them when they're going to do that. Don't say, OK, well, you should have had enough time to do that. Like, no, dude, you you don't get to make that call. That's not mm. your decision to make. Mm. It's, not your, it's not your determination. You know, let the mm. person do let them heal and also understand healing is not a linear process you know uh yeah you, sometimes you backslide uh sometimes you have to uh cycle through the stages of grief again mm-hmm. and uh you know one thing that that uh struck me from one of the guys uh who i i wrote about in the combat diaries he said that you know at this point in my life you know he was like Gosh, I want to say he was maybe 87 at the time. Um, mm. You know, he said, you know, I've at this point in my life, I have forgiven the Japanese for what they've done, but I have to forgive them multiple times every month <laughs> because, but, uh, yeah, you know, funny. because it, it, the, those cycles of grief, you know, they they stay and you know, for for mm-hmm. some, you know, uh, the, you'll cycle through all the stages of grief you know, either every year or every month, but time really can be your ally, you know, mm. uh, where mm. you, you will still cycle through those stages, but the RPMs will be a lot slower with every passing year. Yay. Yeah. It's, it, it takes time. I mean, it's healing. No, time. It, well, it, because I mean, some of the, of the um, things that have happened are so inhumane. Mm-hmm. that people see in war that or, i mean how of it. i i i don't know that we're um psychologically able to handle it for a long time you have to process 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 we're not like a jackal who goes out to go hunting and kill a rabbit and think yeah. nothing of it you know it's different that the war is not like go feed yourself Mm-hmm. it's right. a whole different it's a whole thing and it's only a human thing it's not an animal thing mm-hmm. so i don't know where that puts on the scale of an animal no but, but well um, you know it's, it's 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 something that takes a long time to get past with mm-hmm. what people see on the battlefield and what they see during their service what they see as they're training for it. And, I mean, and I think the same with policemen, you know, that sometimes they are they faced with things that they, even their training doesn't even cover. Mm-hmm. You know, like like all these mall shootings and things like that. It's like, what what, what the heck? It's getting, it's, it's no, getting what's crazy. What's going on, you know? It's, so when a policeman or a security officer at a mall is he expected to take down the shooter with a machine gun? Yeah, I was like, what? It, it, does this training even cover that? I don't know. I don't know. And then, then we have the, some of the policemen who are racist and kill people and hurt them. So we have we have a we have a mixed bag there on on that, which is is, is unfortunate. But um, I want I want to go back to the music side of this because Mike, uh military mike um you told us once on a show that you guys found a way to play music in your tanks yes tell everybody about this because we're on the music part now 
So like, alrighty. So for any, any long patrols or just any long, long field problems that we were on, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you have to wrestle with any, any, any hours of boredom and yeah, as a matter of that's, uh, that's pretty par for the course. You'll have a few moments of really intense activity followed by hours of boredom. And, you know, especially if you're, especially if you're in a convoy going from one stretch to another, well, you know, with no one to talk to, but your radio and, uh, you know, however other, however many other vehicles and leaders who are on the same radio net, um, you know, you find ways to keep yourself entertained and your crew entertained uh, within the confines of your tank. So what we had found out we could do was if we uh, splice the wires of our MP3 players, we could uh, we could route it through um, we could route it through the intercom connectors uh, through 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 the tank's comm system. And what that would do is it would play internally, it would play internally throughout the tank, and it would come through our headsets and. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was surprisingly easy to do because you could just cool. splice those wires. You could hook it up to the negative terminal and the positive terminal to the intercom squawk box, and it would and it would route the music throughout the headphones of everybody on the tank. And it was great because you know we could be rolling out of the gate and we could be rocking some ACDC or some Black Sabbath. Uh, we yeah. had to be careful though. We had to be careful though. Was that uh, you know you had to make sure that uh, you had to make sure that it was. Um, that it was set to internal only because uh, one thing could happen if you, uh, if you didn't switch the comm gear to the right internal frequency, you could actually broadcast that music to every other tank in your unit. Oh, well, that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Which, uh, which I like which, that. Yeah. Which had had, <laughs> uh, which has actually happened on, on, on an odd occasion where, um, you know, yeah, where, where somebody was, where, where somebody was blasting what they thought was really inspirational music. And, uh, then everybody all the way up to the battalion commander is, you know, is, uh, is hearing Axel uh-huh. Rose when, when he's trying to give a tactical order over the radio net. And, uh, you know, of course you hear Oopsie. the, you hear the irate commanders, uh, you know, voice coming over the net. It's like, this is Black Hawk 6. Who the hell is rocking Guns N' Roses? Knock it off. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Guns N' Roses. You hear That's Axel. Game. And then, and no. Axel, because Axel has that whiny voice too. He's all, but, down, 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 down. I know, but here comes the, the sentence who got us a convoy. <laughs> oh, see, Nancy just wants Chris Christopherson on everything. But Joey, you've got, Joey, you've got to give props for this, right? For music, hearing music rolling through on tanks. I mean. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I know. This is this is fantastic. And uh oh my gosh, I love this. So ACDC, huh, Mike? So what was your mm-hmm. your best ACDC? Like what is do you have a favorite? Oh yeah. So I think pound for pound, my favorite is Thunderstruck. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and uh and wow. that really was the song of choice whenever we would roll out of the gate. It, it would be Thunderstruck. Uh-huh. Um yeah. yeah. And then let's oh, see. Uh, wow. Yeah, and then back to my teenage years, right there. Oh, and uh, and I think it, no, it would be a stretch to say that this is the softer side, but the softer side of the metal that we would play would be like Van Halen, and uh, mm. you know, yeah, but like it is, it is the softer side, seriously. Like, and then you've got Ozzy, right? Oh. Ozzy's like, right. you know, mm. he's got war, you know, come on, but like. 
I always thought Van Halen was, yeah, on the softer side. Kind of, kind of poppy, right? Yeah, a little bit on the poppy yeah. side, and it depended. Like, that's and so then if you funny. had David Lee Roth first, you know, come oh, on, that's a whole. Joey, mm-hmm. come on, what's gone with Van Halen? Like, what what are your thoughts on Van Halen? Because seriously, uh, I well, so um, <laughs> you know, he's got Cabo Wabo from a from a from a technical standpoint. Um, Sammy Hagar is the better technical singer, but um, I do find that the more entertaining singer is David Lee Roth. I think there's I more. I think, I think there's more. Yeah. I think there's more attitude. You know, I, I think yeah. it really exemplifies. And I think I think Van Halen always had pop sensibilities, but I think they became more focused with Sammy Hagar. It became much poppier. Yeah. Um, but so, David so, Lee Roth know, is a musician too, like a musician. Yeah, musician. yeah, he plays guitar and, and you know, bluegrass, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, so and I mean, you know, his his voice has not particularly aged that well. Um, but but then again, he was out there screaming, you know, doing all those crazy high notes and stuff night after night yeah. after night, and and the, all the alcohol and drugs and tobacco did not help. Um, that that's yeah. not. That's not that's not good for the old voice. So you know, but I love both incarnations. I really do. And I've actually I got on a Van Halen kick uh, some point during COVID, and I've read about five five books about them. And uh, wow, and it was kind of, it was kind of interesting just to 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 sort of cross reference them and see how many times the same story was told in all the books. I'm like, okay, well that's probably true mm. then. <laughs> you know? It's like yeah. looking at Cros- you know, David Crosby. I read his his biography that he wrote, like, and he and yeah. you know, man, he was point. Yeah, I mean, Fleetwood but, Mac but, yeah, was good too. It's, it's but anyway, it's, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, but it's, but I love Ben Halen. I mean, I, I think, I mean, you know, from a technical standpoint, there's things I could point out that nobody else would probably care about. But uh, um, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the technical side of music making is important. Um, but I so, will take. I'll take attitude over over technical proficiency. Exactly, soul. You got to have soul and dirt and grit in there. You can't yeah. the technical stuff. We we've been talking about that on shows. And Nancy, like, don't ask Nancy what she thinks about Eric Clapton versus other guitarists. But anyway, oh, that's a whole other show. I just wanted to meet. <laughs> I wanted to poke her there a little bit. But yeah, okay, wow. so oh, but now think about dude. like Van Halen. Remember Jump coming out? Like sure, it's such like the eighties mm. vibe, right? I that had, is absolutely. Uh, yeah. That whole record was was uh, really wonderful, and and I think that's where they started doing things that were. Uh, I think that's where some of the Different. pop possibilities started, but I do think they were very groundbreaking in several ways with that record. The the um, mm. interestingly, I was a little kid. I mean, probably about, I don't know, probably, let's see. I was probably about seven uh, in mm. 1984, something like that. Uh, I can't remember exactly. But I remember Jump had, had just been released as a single. And mm-hmm. I was obsessed with it as a child. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, very fearless as a blind child. I just, you know, got into all kinds of scrapes and fell over and all kind of stuff. You know, tried mm-hmm. to ride a bicycle, lost two teeth, you know. <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. Thought, thought, uh, thought I, I said, "Oh, I want to." My friends are jumping out of swings at school. Uh, I can do that too. Broke my arm, uh, you know. So, but anyway, I remember um, my parents had taken me on vacation um, right around when Jump came out to to Las Vegas, and uh, my dad uh, technically children were not allowed in several places that I was taken. Uh, my dad just told everybody that I was a little person. 
and that I wasn't a child, which is, of course, you know, not true, but that's how I got in. So, so. What? Like you're like a little midget? Yeah. Like, you can't say that word. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But, but that's not, I'll, I'll, I'll spank you for that later. Um, but anyway, so uh, stop looking so pleased. So anyway. Um, I am smiling. I'm smiling I right now. I know. Now, I know you are. I, no, you <laughs> so have anyway, no idea. I just went to a different weird movie I, in my head. I heard oh, a local band in the casino start playing Jump. And, and, yeah. I, and I was like I said, I, I was about seven. And I was so excited that I uh-huh. just ran away from my parents and ran uh-huh. towards the music. And then fell down, fell down a flight of stairs. <laughs> oh, good, Joey! Yeah. I didn't even know so, to ask you this question. My God! Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there's there's my memory of jump. <laughs> oh my God! So okay, so Mike Gordon, you brought up Van Halen. What's what's your Van Halen song? Because I'm adding these to the playlist here. You got to do this. Well, well it's a uh, well for me. It's a two way tie between between jump and Panama. Oh, both great. Mm. Yeah. Well, we we can well mm-hmm. we can put both. We can do yeah. whatever we want. We can make music playlists as big and long because it's, they're supposed to last mm-hmm. a week. So we'll put there them both. Go. But uh, Panama can, has got to be in there too, I think. Yeah, Mike. I, I got to jump in with a Van Halen song too, then because uh, uh, Cradle Will Rock was kind oh, of like a yeah. gateway getting in. Oh, that's metal yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that that you, begat ACD. Yes. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. You know, the, in the books I was reading about it, um, that song started off. Um, it doesn't sound like it, but it started off with a, with an electronic piano that Eddie distorted mm. and put a flanger on, and that's that heavy, that real heavy. Yeah, yeah, see, but yeah. now we have to be sound. nice about him. He's see, got the wawa. Yeah, He's got yeah. the yen. Yeah, like the cat. <laughs> okay, well, so, yeah, but see, my wawa. Exactly. All great tracks. It's All exactly tracks. what cats do. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I. But you, you, I think this is great because Joey, you put in John Fogarty and Fortunate mm. Son, and his birthday is uh, May twenty eighth, I believe. I I did uh, not know that, but you know he's 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 someone else that I knew that served in the military, and uh, he's one of my favorite artists. I mean, just such a talent, and um, you know, and and probably one of the most litigious men in music. I mean, he's been in lawsuits for God ever since. I mean, I've he been won. aware. Yeah, he, he, but won. he finally won. He finally won and got his music. So I was very excited. And so did the. But, but, you know, that's, that's, I mean, it's been like too. a 40 year, 40 year, 50 year period that he'd been suing. I mean, it's just been awful. Oh, that's ridiculous. What's his name? Just yeah. one, too. What's his name? The Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran just won. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely but, correctly. And, you know, this, this yeah. is an important point. Um, people mm-hmm. that are not in the music business, um, you know, certainly. Uh, can't depreciate some of the nuances that we have to think mm. about. But, you know, when you talk mm. about song, copyright infringement, I'm a big believer if someone's stolen your song, then you should, you should get them. But the yeah. fact is that the fact is that we all are inspired by each other. So it's exactly. virtually impossible to have mm-hmm. a completely original thought. I mean, because mm-hmm. you know sure. you're, you're inspired by. So if I, what if I do a harmony now? Now I've stolen something from the Beatles because I used the sixth in the harmony. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Exactly. So yeah. important for important mm-hmm. for people to know there are only twelve notes in the Western pitch system. Exactly. All right. T- typically, only seven of them are used in a given key. There are ways to use all twelve in a given key, but it, it's it's tricky. Um, and yeah. it, and it certainly it certainly is more avant garde <laughs> or, or it doesn't sound. It's not natural to the ear. So the point is, typically, you're now now you're talking about roughly, 
most songs have at maximum seven notes available. So now you're talking about seven notes, millions of songs. And, you know, there's going to be some repeats, guys. I mean, you know, there's just but but the thing is, the copyright law in the United States, uh, well, in Western countries, is very clear that you cannot copyright titles. You cannot copyright rhythms. You cannot copyright chord changes. The only thing you can copyright are lyrics and melody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, so that that really, you know, and, and it's like you may remember, this is my soapbox, so I'll, I'll get off it quickly. But the Led Zeppelin, there was a, there was a lawsuit. Yeah, about, yeah. Stare, stare, stare at heaven. heaven. So yeah. first, first of all, the, the riff that they said was stolen was mm-hmm. a chord progression, therefore not music. I mean, not lyrics, not melody, so not protected by copyright. Secondly, the other part about that lawsuit that's important is while the the way the chords were phrased was unique in rock, it was not unique in jazz or Latin. Uh, it was a very standard motif called passing minor uh, mm-hmm. with something else called common tones. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's a very common technique in Latin music and in jazz music. It is not common in rock music. So that's why that that riff sounds so distinctive. But really, it, it's 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 a very common chordal technique. So anyway, th- there was nothing to steal, is my point. That and and that <laughs> if they put that in, oh, I, I think most of us that started playing guitar, that's one of the first things we learned. Oh, so would have a smoke on the water was like one of the sure. first things. Were you going to do that, or are you going to play "Hang Down Your Head, well, Tom Dooley"? Like I'm doing you, "Smoke on the Water" and <laughs> I, I actually have a, if, a, my it, keyboard player. Oh, when, if if you're an artist, okay, like when we go to paint, we buy tubes of paint. There's very few of us that grind down the compounds and get the chemicals and make our own paints anymore. Exactly. So now, but you can blend the colors and uh, possibly come up with a shade of the color that nobody's ever seen before, but I pretty much doubt it. But there you go. It's how you use it and what expression you're using when you're painting. So, I mean, yeah, it goes full circle back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, which is communication. So it's all about how you communicate using the medium of music. That's where the originality, Mm. that's where the, that's where the, uh, originality comes, comes. I I have to, I've got to go to Mike Guardia here. You're an author. I know he has to go. So on, on that, everyone, MikeGuardia.com. Um, but Mike, thank you for joining us. So thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Joey. You're yeah. welcome, my friend. Thanks for joining us. And Mike, you've copywritten all your books, right? <laughs> Just I have. Course, yeah. <laughs> don't don't copy Mike. Um, he's he's uncopyable. Anyway, so thank you for joining <laughs> us, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Everyone, MikeWardia.com is the website for Mike, and he'll be back on our show. In June, uh, the, he's Thank on you. every first Monday, and uh, in June, we're going to be talking about D-Day and some of the stories from his book, The Combat Diaries. So thank you so much, Mike. You take care. Okay, ladies, you too. Always a pleasure. It was good talking to everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Mike, you've got a Mike Dunmire, and, and when it comes to like politics, do you have to copyright your stuff, or do people steal stuff? Like, I just have to go there. <laughs> or should I shouldn't even ask that? I shouldn't, but it's true. Yeah. Don't I mean, is there like st- speech stealing that happens? I mean, we're well, in the DC mean, area. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're you're not supposed to, <laughs> but but there have Borrowing. been some uh, notable 
uh, uh, speech thefts recently. I think uh, uh, Melania stole some 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 lines from Michelle Obama uh, on a speech. You know, we've seen things like this happen from time to time. But of course, wow, it's wow, it's, well, it's let's borrow. It's borrowing. Yeah, no, no. I want I want to go to your music playlist. I think this is cool, and uh, Joey's got more too. But we are going to have to. We're man, okay. this the, I can't help how the show goes. We all have good stuff. Um, I want to I want to go to your music playlist here because you brought in Alice in Chains. So, uh, right. Rooster. See, we brought now. You see, because he ate like chicken sandwiches with us. That's what happened. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love such a wide range of music, but I think if you had you know, forced me to pick what was my favorite, I, I love guitar-driven alt-rock. I think the early mm. 90s was a particularly fertile time for, for that music. There was so much great music going on. And I remembered you know, reading the liner notes uh, of, of this album and, and seeing the song Rooster, uh, which, is, which is about, <laughs> I forget which band member it was, but one of the band members' father was a Vietnam vet. And it's really dedicated to him and the experience of, of Vietnam vets. And what the line of notes talked about was that uh, uh, he was really, the father was really moved that they did this. And it got him to open up and begin to talk about his, his experiences in Vietnam, which he, he never had. And it, wow. it brought them closer. And it, it kind of resonated for me, too. I, I mentioned my father went to West Point. He also uh, fought in Vietnam. And he and I are very, very close. And we've always been able to talk about really anything. We were kind of you know, best friends as well as father and son. But one thing he never spoke about was Vietnam. And uh, in high school, mm-hmm. I, I did a project where I had to interview him about that. It was the first time he'd ever really talked about it at length. And, you know, as, as Mike was talking about it, there's a way that people process what they went through there and, and kind mm-hmm. of compartmentalize that they can move on. But um I, I just thought that was kind of an, an interesting angle for that song. And of course it, it's just an absolutely kick-ass song too. So um, that doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> that, that whole album dirt is fantastic. That's a great record. Yeah. It, well, listen, Alice in Chains, um, you know, is huge, but it, it's interesting when you start making these connections back to military too. Right. Um, and then it's the guitar. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think, Music and Joey, I know that words mean a lot, lyrics mean a lot, and I write songs and stuff and and get the power of words. But it, we've do, done so much lately on um, instrumentals, and I really believe like you can listen to an instrumental and know where someone's going, and like you could you could be in a war and listen to this music, and it was written for you to get through it. You know, like you can hear certain songs just instrumental. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you can communicate with lyrics or, or without, and, um, mm-hmm. and and even 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 songs like "I Don't Speak Another Language," which is which is regrettable because most Americans don't, which is really sad. But um, you know, I can mm-hmm. listen to music in French or Russian or Spanish or whatever, and still understand the basic concept of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't speak the language, you know, you can, you can tell if it's a romantic song, or if it's an angry song, or if it's a, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you, yeah, the, the power is yeah. definitely, you know, mm-hmm. twofold. I, I, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I write both. So I write instrumentals and, and songs with lyrics and, you know, I like, I like them. I like them all. And you, you have great communicators like we were talking about Van Halen earlier. So like Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar and all those guys. But also one of the songs on my playlist that I sent you, 
uh, was from Jimi Hendrix, who also served in the military. Mm. Um, and he mm. has an interesting, you know, he's one of those guys that has, again, from a technical perspective, he's good, but he's, he's, you know, he's not, he's not crazy technical, but the fact is every note he plays is, is, is very powerful. And he has a tie to my hometown of Macon, Georgia, because he was a guitar player for little Richard, who's from Macon. For oh yeah. Time. Yeah. Mm. So, so I'm a big Hendrix fans on a number of reasons, but yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I think you listen to him. I mean, when you listen to Hendrix tunes, it's not about the vocals. <laughs> and then, yeah, but no. listen, but you and you, we've got Joey's version of Red House up there on yeah. the playlist um, as well. And Red House, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like mm. Jimi Hendrix to me is one of the most important. I think it's is guitar. I I find it. I oh, I have I, I have I got to be careful what I say here, but against yeah. the other really famous guitars, one's got it's, soul and the other doesn't. Yeah, one's I, I, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, Hendrix is, is just, you know, it's just, it's it's the notes he chooses to play. It's how he plays them. It's his hands. It's, it's them, the way he, he bends, yeah, the way it's he, the, he makes bends, the guitar sing. He's sexual. Yeah. Yeah. It's sexual. And, and Blues and rock is sexual. That, and if you don't bring you can, that in, you don't you have can, it. No, but it's it's only sexual. It could be happy. It can be sad. No. But he does it enough to let you know what he's doing. I agree. But. But it's I not a formula. I, like sometimes I feel like other people are re- writing to a formula. Yeah, there is there but, is a lot of that in the modern music business. There really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, well he did. He, I get mm-hmm. bored with it really easy. I got to yeah, tie like, in. I got to tie into the Jimi Hendrix because we're running out of time. I got to tie in. Yeah. Brian Tarquin is part of our playlist. He was on our yeah. show a few months ago with his new album. Uh, it's a heavy friends album called brothers in arms. And he's got guitarists mm-hmm. like Joe Satriani, Vinnie Moore oh, wow. uh, from UFO, Ron Bumble, but oh, talk about guns and roses. Ron Bumblefoot uh, tall is on there. Uh, Alex DeRosa. Yeah. From Duncan. I love that. Travis Stever uh, is on there. Jeff Duncan from Armored Saint, Johannes uh, White. I-, I can't son of Bach. Don't ask me to pronounce any of this. Um, but anyway, <laughs> and Chris Haskett from Henry, R- Henry Rollins band, uh, Gerald Gradwell from Tangerine Dream is on this, and uh, Brian Tarquin is um, like he's won every award and everything, right? Uh, Emmy Emmy awards, everything. Uh, does a lot in jazz, but then he wears this other hat, and uh, well, he didn't wear a hat on the interview. He wore his Jimi Hendrix jacket on the interview. Nice. So I've got the link to this. Um, his That's latest funny. album, Heavy Friends, called Brothers in Arms, fe- features everybody mm-hmm. on there. Um, and the songs inspired are, are inspired by military soldiers who fought for their country and partial proceeds from the sales go to the Fisher House Foundation, who supplies housing to veterans families while they are hospitalized. So I had nice. to bring that up. So That's we fantastic. have to play that. And since uh, Mike Guardia will be on talking about D-Day, I thought we we're going to play the song D-Day in the playlist. Um, also going to give a shout out to Stormy Monday for T-Bone Walker because he was born on May 28th. One of my most famous, uh, favorite um, musicians of all time is T-Bone Walker. Anyway, and that ties back to Joey because of the Allman Brothers covering Stormy Monday Blues. Um, what, a great, what a great rendition. I know. Going back to Mike Dunmire, Dropkick Murphy's yeah, we uh, we raised him. We talked about him over the weekend, and that was that was the reminder. Mm. I mean, so far away coast. Uh, mm. You know, I I love their blend of of kind of the Irish folk sound with with punk rock, um, mm-hmm. and, and and 
Faraway Coast, I think, is 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 really much more like an Irish folk song. Um, but you know, again, just kind of very plaintive about the experience of uh, of a U.S. soldier going to war in a foreign country and, mm. and what they're dealing with emotionally and, and mentally, and uh, and it just it, it, it really does uh, resonate. Speaking of traveling soldiers, mm. uh, the, one of my songs on there is the the chicks now, not the Dixie Chicks, the chicks. Um, traveling soldier, that song is insanely the lyrics, the sentiment of the soldier, and, and you just got to listen to it. It's very cool. We added it on there too. Um, going back to you, Joey, uh, you've got Johnny Cash Hurt, which I thought Trent Trent Reznor did that originally from Nine Inch Nails, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was, that was a, a great song off the further down. Oh, no, I'm sorry, downward spiral record. And you know uh, what's interesting is when when uh, Rick Rubin and Johnny Cash got together to produce uh, those those sessions, which I are the love last Rick Rubin. Cash, or, oh, me too. Which is the he's got a great book out by the way too. If you want to read that, really. Um, but yeah, so um, but he uh, he he did these wonderful, just sort of very spare instruments. You know, typically acoustic guitar and vocal very stripped down Johnny Cash and, and Trent Reznor even said, well, that song is Johnny Cash's now. He did it in a, in better than I ever could oh. in, in a way that was more, more raw and honest and vulnerable. Um, and, I, and I thought, you know, um, when I think about her, that, that song makes me think of scars. And I've got a number mm-hmm. of physical uh, and, and emotional scars mm-hmm. from being a very sick child um, and having having to deal with a lot of medical emergencies and and you know almost dying several times and there's you know there's some there's some trauma there that I, that I've had to work hard to overcome and not let let become uh, too too big a deal in my life. Um, but when I so when I think about hurt and I think about awesome. the idea of scarring, I certainly think about the trauma uh, that there is in being in the military and being in combat. So that's that's kind of why it when it kind of so Johnny Cash was uh, obviously had served his country in the military. So that fit in. And then I think about the scarring that one has to deal with when you come home. Um, exactly. You know. So that's, that was the reason I thought of that too. Yeah. Emotionally scarring and hurt is really, I think when Johnny Cash was going through the end of his life and he did all those recordings, it was so, so big. Um, I do want to touch on Seaborn Jones. Um, he is a poet and um, you, you brought him up and we're going to put that on the Spotify playlist too. We're going to have some poetry. We also have some uh, Hollywood history from Steve Schneikert. And this is going to go back to when Steve did a podcast, a Hollywood history podcast from Nancy and I did a show, a live broadcast from Julian, California from the American Legion way back when I think it was like 2013 or 14, Nancy. Um, and they Don't made a literal. So long ago. <laughs> I know, like, but they made a bomb shelter, like, you know, this is when we ran things on phones and made a bomb shelter and they had like a 4th of July thing going and we interviewed veterans and there was one politician that came on our show and called them crazy. Um, Yeah, his last name is Hunter, Um, California. (laughs) Anyway, one of them went to jail recently, so that's good. But anyway... Um, anyway, I didn't mean to All go right. there, but anyway, but dude, but Steve's Hollywood <laughs> history, we air, he did this especially oh. for that, but I want to include a link to that for everybody in the show notes, but, uh, go back to Seaborn Jones because he also served. Yeah, he was in the, he was in the Marines and he is a, a, a Georgia author that sadly passed away, um, uh, back. Um, I heard him read poetry in my hometown at an arts 
summer camp that I was in when I was about 17 years old. And I said to myself, one day mm. I'm going to record this guy mm. and release his poetry on audio. And it's finally in like 2006, I finally did it. And, um, and, and I'm really glad of that because to read his poetry is amazing, but to hear him read it is even more powerful. Um, to, to tell people, well, it kind of sounds like a very Southern Jack Nicholson on downers. So he's, he has a very interesting delivery. Um, mm. And I'm so excited because I'm so glad I did that. I'm going to be honest. I have not made, I, I haven't even made my money back on that project. It, it didn't sell particularly well. Um, but, but I'm so excited that I did it because his family, when he passed away, he had, they had no recordings of him reading. And, um, so I was very honored and proud that I had preserved that. And, uh, he has a, he has, a um, he has another poem called Simplify, which is about, uh, some, some hard times he had adjusting to being a civilian after being in the military. But this song is about, I mean, this song, this poem is about World War II. Uh, and and um, it's also references Glenn Miller, uh, which mm-hmm. is another reason I thought of it. Um, so yeah, I thought it would be I thought it'd be appropriate. It's it's really I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, absolutely! We've got the CD, and we have a CD yeah, player in our car. That's why I don't get rid of her. Um, Nancy, yeah. you have a song? Yeah, I just wanted in my grandmother's um, honor. She loved the song. Praise the Lord and cast the ammunition. And this is a World War II song, but she always wanted to change it to praise the Lord, but cast the ammunition. And it's it's a song that um, I, I, I think my dad had the sheet music to it, and I tried to play it on the piano. But uh, it's quite a jazzy little song. And I think that Glenn Miller probably played it at some point down huh. the road. But it, it was he, what I was told, whether it's true or not, you know, because I've learned that what I was told when I was growing up is not always true. Uh, just say it. But um, that when the troops would go into battle, that some of them start singing that, like, praise the Lord. That we're still here, but to make sure we're still here tomorrow, pass the ammunition. Mm, wow. And so I don't know if that's true or not. I really, really. We'll have to look um, it up. If it we sounds can find possible out. to me. It sounds well, possible it, to me. We'll I put like it, it on the playlist. We'll put it on the playlist. Um, um, it's, so um, uh, oh, we, we got to get going time-wise. Um, Mike Dunmire, everyone, um, has got Disturbed on there. Uh, with this song, Indestructible. That's a good one. He's got Wings, Let Him In, and The Talking Heads, Road to Nowhere. How, the, that uh, Mike, did you pick that for our Love Your Parks tour? Because we keep circling around. Did I? Like, um, I, I don't I just, know. I, I, I was looking at, yeah, so there, there are songs that relate to war and, and soldiers' experiences. Yeah. And, like that. and there are just tons of songs that are driven by a military cadence. And, yeah. Uh, let him in and road to nowhere, both uh, you know great songs that 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 have that backing to them. Um, T heads oh. are a favorite of mine for years and years and years, so it's oh. it's likely I have brought them up before. 
<laughs> no, but thank you, Mike. It was good to see you. Thank you, Joey, for co-hosting oh. every fourth Sunday mm-hmm. here on Big Blend Radio with our new weekly blend. Uh, we're excited because now we also have a magazine that comes out every week. So we're, we got you covered every week, every day. Uh, so go to Big Blend, uh, excuse me, blendradioandtv.com to subscribe for the magazine. But you can go to bigblendradio.com to hear this show um, as it airs mm-hmm. every Sunday or Anytime thereafter, we're on YouTube, Spotify, can every place can you I, can imagine. Go ahead, Nancy. Say, real okay, quick, real I did, quick, real I looked quick. Up, Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition is an American patriarch song by Frank Lusser, published as sheet music in 1942 by Famous Music Corporation. The song was a response to the attack on Pearl Harbor Wow, that marked United States involvement in World War II. It describes a chaplain known as Sky Pilot. Oh, that's going to go back to Eric Burton. I know. Who is asked by a group of soldiers under attack by enemy planes to say a prayer for him. Wow. He puts down his Bible and picks up a gun. Whoa. And begins firing at the enemy, saying, praise the Lord, and pass the ammunition. I wonder mm. if that I wonder I if that is the inspiration for Eric Burton doing that, Sky Pilot, and because he wrote uh, those lyrics, I he, know, you know, so like House of the Rising Sun, he didn't write like you know the animals and everything. I had but no I idea. Todd just looked at wow, oh, man. There goes the rabbit hole. This show is always about there rabbit holes. There it is. Everybody, go in there. <laughs> go enjoy oh. your rabbit holes. Thank you, Joey, so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's always so much fun having you on the show. Always a pleasure, my friends. And Mike, it's great to meet you. Uh, likewise, I always learn so much on these shows. Great conversation, guys. Thank Absolutely. you, Mike. And uh, listen, um, next time we're, we're back here in in the eastern shore, right? Is it the eastern seaboard or the eastern shore? Like, are we on the eastern shore now? Where are we? We're, yeah. we're still... You must lose track after all these trips. We're on the eastern right. shore. On you're, the east. uh, you're, you're south of D.C. now, so... Oh, wow, that sounded nice. <laughs> anyway, okay. everyone, uh, keep up with what is happening in uh, wind energy. Um, it is uh, an amazing project that is happening out in Delaware, uh, but it's really for the Eastern Shore, right? Not just Delaware, right? It's Maryland too. Yeah, we're Maryland? actually we're we're off the coast of Maryland, leading up to the bottom part of of the Delaware latitudes. It's offshore wind and uh, enough to power about three hundred forty thousand area homes along the peninsula. Very cool. So everybody, uswindinc.com. Um, that has nothing to do with Joey and his bean burgers, but Joey's website is joeystucky.com. It may in the future. I know it may. Um, and, and I mean, listen, I've got our buddies now, so who knows what will happen? Joey's our backup plan. If next year doesn't have, if next year doesn't have a big get, snow year, we might have to uh, call if, Joey. No, you know, if we get a gale force wind here tonight, I know it's you. It's hey, Joey. I'm working on that for you right now. All right, so. listen. Leave the alligators alone. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to all who served. We mean that with true integrity. Um, oh, and yeah. their families, the families, the kids, the the husbands, the wives. Um, everyone that is part of it, um, it is a sacrifice and, oh. you know, whatever we can do on our shows, we Huge do. One. We have, uh, many shows happening on Memorial day. We have a bed and breakfast talking about, it. we have a show dedicated to Pearl Harbor and also what you programs through the national park trust 
uh, that do uh, amazing veteran programs for when they come home that they can get out into nature and parks. So we have a lot going mm-hmm. on this weekend. So stay tuned to that. And again, bigblendradio.com, blend radio and tv.com. Thank you all for joining us. Take care. <laughs>